Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. In 1895, Oscar Wilde was put on trial for gross indecency. Why? Because of his homosexuality. He was convicted and spent two years in prison. At his trial, his novel The Picture of Dorian Gray was called a perverted novel for its homoeroticism. But I think it's one of the most beautiful novels ever written in the English language. So today I'll summarize a novel discusses its themes such as art, beauty, biology, and hiddenism but also the influence of Taoism on Oscar Wilde. At the end, I'll also discuss whether knowledge destroys innocence and whether chasing new experiences, adventures as the ultimate goal of life can have dire consequences in the long run. But first, who was Oscar Wilde? Oscar Wilde was born in Dublin, Ireland in 1854 into a wealthy Anglo-Irish family. His father was a doctor as well as a writer and philanthropist. He was homeschooled and looked after by French and German maids until he was nine years old. Then he attended a prestigious school in Northern Ireland where he excelled in classics like Greek and Latin. In 1871, he went to Trinity College Dublin to study classic literature. A few years later, he went to Oxford University where he became known for his poetry. He was also influenced by John Ruskin, the art critic who also inspired Marcel Proust. After graduating Oxford, he used his inheritance from his father to get married and settle himself down in London. He spent 1880s traveling, visiting America and Europe, mainly France, but also writing poetry and publishing magazines. But today he's famous for his 1891 novel, The Picture of Doran Gray, a short philosophical novel written in Gothic style. In 1890s, he also wrote plays of which the importance of being earnest, written in 1894, is perhaps the most well known. As his fame grows, so did his infamy. In 1895, he was on trial. As it happened, someone accused Oscar Wilde of sodomy. He took the accuser to court for libel, which perhaps was a mistake. During the court hearing, it came to light that Oscar Wilde was involved in homosexual activities, which was deemed immoral at the time. The trial became a media circus because of one of the biggest celebrity was on trial. He was implicated with male prostitutes, some of whom were under the age of 16. People told him to flee to France, where homosexuality wasn't much of an issue back then, but he stubbornly refused. He was found guilty and sentenced to two years of hard labor in Siberia. Hang on, we're in England. Joking aside, he was kept under horrific conditions, which affected his health quite badly. As a result, he only lived three years after his release in, in 1897. He contracted meningitis that ultimately killed him in 1900, age 46. Today he is known as one of the geniuses of 19th century and his novel The Picture of Dorian Gray is one of the greatest novels of the English language. What is the story? At the heart of the novel is a portrait of an aristocrat Dorian Gray painted by his close friend Basil Howard, who is mesmerized by his beauty. Dorian Gray, who is incidentally not related to another fictional character, Christian Gray in The Fifty Shades of Gray, is a hedonist who seeks nothing but pleasures in life. 
Like Faust, he sells his soul for eternal youth. As a result, his portrait ages, but he remains young and beautiful. Back then, you made a deal with the devil, but today people make a deal with a plastic surgeon. In England, summer is the best time of the year to go outside. We meet three people, an artist, Basil Howard, a good moral man who is painting a portrait of his aristocratic friend, Dorian Gray, a beautiful young man who is a bit impressionable, naive, but also open to suggestions, and finally, Lord Henry Wotton, a witty, clever, hedonist Prince Harry type who acts as spiritual guide to our young hero, Dorian Gray. Dorian Gray sits in the middle, and both the artist Basil and the hiddenist Lord Henry love him. You could say a homoerotic romantic triangle. But each man pulls Dorian in different direction. Basil towards goodness and Lord Henry towards self-indulgence. We know who wins. The path of least resistance is seeking pleasures. Their conversation centers on youth, beauty, and how fleeting they are and how time takes them away. One day you're beautiful and young, and the next day it's all gone. The cruelty of time. It is the same kind of topic Marcel Proust was tackling a few years later. Speaking of Proust, he was also gay but wasn't bothered by the French moral police, so he was free to write about it in his masterpiece In Search of Lost Time. Lord Henry is the kind of man who thinks it's better to enjoy life's pleasures and not to think too much about the consequences. He says, quote, The only way to get rid of a temptation is to yield to it. Resist it and your soul grows sick with longing for the things it has forbidden to itself, with desire for what its monstrous laws have made monstrous and unlawful. It has been said that the great events of the world take place in the brain. It is in the brain and the brain only that the great sins of the world take place also. You Mr. Grey, you yourself with your rose-red youth and your rose-white boyhood, you have had passions that have made you afraid, thoughts that have filled you with terror. Daydreams and sleeping dreams whose mere memory might stain your cheek with shame. Dorian loves his beauty and youth and wants to remain youthful forever. Who doesn't? But here's what's interesting. Dorian wishes that his portrait or the picture that his artist friend is painting would age and he would remain young and beautiful. Will it come true? Let's leave that for later. In the meantime, Dorian falls in love with a beautiful actress, Sybil Vane, who comes from a poor background and acts in a Shakespearean play. Things move really quickly. I guess we're in the 19th century, so love generally means marriage. Soon they get engaged. She's so excited that she can't wait to show the beautiful man to her family. When Sybil's brother James meets Dorian, something bothers him about the man. It's often said that a male in the family can screen a woman's romantic partner better than the woman herself. Here James notices something sinister about Dorian. Something is alright, so he does his brotherly duty. He warns Dorian to never harm her sister, otherwise there will be consequences. Dorian says yes, and that is that. Dorian is so excited that he invites his artist friend Basil Howard and Lord Henry to watch Sybil act in Romeo and Juliet. His friends notice that she is a terrible actress. Here, Oscar Wilde contrasts between reality and representation. Sybil's poor acting is due to her romantic happiness with Dorian because she's in love for real and finds it hard to act a fake Shakespearean romance. And as a result, she can't play the role of Juliet convincingly. Dorian's friends tell him that she's beautiful but not talented actress. They also tell him that his love is not genuine because she's not talented whatsoever. He's fallen in love with her beauty. Dorian, impressionable as he is, he agrees with his friends. 
He calls off the engagement there and then. She is devastated, but Dorian has made up his mind. Back home, something strange has happened. Dorian notices that his portrait has changed. The change is subtle, but it's there. He notices the portrait shows something quite sinister about him. This terrifies him. He suddenly remembers his rejection of Sybil and devastation it caused her. He runs back to tell her that he's changed his mind and he wants to marry her after all. But unfortunately, it's too late. The rejection was too much for her and she has ended her life by taking poison. Julia is dead. I mean, Sybil is dead. Dorian is on the wrong path and his irresponsible behavior has its first casualty. Dorian realizes it's already too late to undo it all. So he accepts his fate as a hedonist who becomes a slave to his lust. He goes about his business of seeking more and more pleasures without really thinking about the consequences. But here's a problem. Every time he does something nasty, the portrait displays the ugliness to him. So basically the portrait is a picture of Dorian's soul or heart. It mirrors the darker side of the man. He hides the portrait from everyone. It's too hideous and ugly. Years pass, 18 years to be precise. Then one day his artist friend Basil, the good guy, confronts Dorian about some unsavory rumors he has heard about his friend's indulgent lifestyle. I should point out that Basil loves Dorian. Despite the Victorian sensibilities on homosexuality, his love is genuine and pure. Dorian takes the artist to see the portrait. It's a horror scene. The picture is so horrible that his artist friend tells Dorian to stop his hedonist lifestyle right now. There's a heated argument between the two friends. In the heat of the moment, the argument escalates rapidly and, and as it turns out, Dorian murders his friend. Oh dear. Dorian, the beautiful, naive, innocent young man 18 years ago, has turned into a devil. To help him get rid of the body, he blackmails his chemist friend, Alan. He does his chemistry to remove the evidence. But the experience has been so traumatic for poor Alan, he decides to end his own life. So we have three deaths already. Sybil, Basil, and Alan. Now to escape his demon, Dorian turns to opium to numb the pain of his guilty conscience. Guess who he meets in the opium den? James Vane, the brother of Sybil, his dead fiancée, who's been waiting for this moment to avenge his sister's heartbreak and death in the hands of the cruel Dorian Gray. Oh dear. Now, faced with real danger, Dorian uses his youth and beauty to his advantage. Not in that way. He tells his nemesis that the man who caused the death of his sister must be an old man because it happened 18 years ago. James looks at Dorian, who is still young and fresh, and thinks to himself, it can't be him. Dorian escapes death. When he's gone, someone tells James that it was in fact Dorian. But he was so young, he asks. Well, the man has not aged in 18 years, replies the woman. Here, James starts pursuing our hero everywhere he goes. Dorian knows his life is in real danger now. But again, the man gets lucky. Someone accidentally kills James during a hunting party while he was hiding in the bush waiting to kill Dorian. Dorian is relieved as he clears the cold sweat on his forehead. That was close. He decides to be a good man now. He wants to stop his hiddenness lifestyle. He makes a promise to his friend, Lord Henry, that he would never hurt anyone. The narcissist and self-indulgent man is no more. He's a changed man. Now that he's a good man, he thinks his portrait must have changed for the better. He tiptoes his way to the hiding place to see the picture. Unfortunately, the picture is even more hideous now. He realized that his change was not genuine, another dirty trick he put on display. 
He's still ugly in his core. It's time he comes clean. He wants to confess all his wrongdoings. He wants to tell a priest about all the terrible things he has done, all the pain he has caused. But before he can confess it all, he decides to destroy the portrait, because it has been haunting him all these years. He grabs a knife, the same knife he used to kill his artist friend, who painted the portrait. He stabs the portrait. The ending of this novel is one of the greatest in literature. Now if you don't want to spoil it, you can pause and come back when you've finished reading the book. Or you can jump a minute or so. Just as he stabs the portrait, it's in the middle of the night. There's a loud scream. His servants wake up. Even people on the street hear the noise. Someone calls the police. Everyone thinks there's a murder happening right now. The servants rush to the room. They find an old man stabbed to death. They cannot recognize who the man is. He is old and extremely ugly. But upon closer look, they recognize a ring in one of his fingers. They realize the old ugly man is none other than Mr. Dorian Gray himself. What the hell happened? Why did he turn into an ugly old dude all of a sudden? The servant then noticed a portrait next to him. The, the portrait shows a very beautiful young man. This is one of the most beautiful endings you will ever find in any novels. Art Oscar Wilde was influenced by Taoism, particularly the book of Zhuangzi. Taoism in China was traditionally associated with the artists, while Confucianism with the bureaucrats and power, and Buddhism with old people. Taoism follows the flow of nature, almost shamanistic when it comes to artistic expression, as if you enter another realm of reality. In the picture of Dorian Gray, Oscar Wilde considers art an expression of a deeper self, a sort of window into the artist's soul. For example, Basil says, Every portrait that is painted with feeling is a portrait of the artist, not of the sitter. The sitter is merely the accident, the occasion. It's not he who is revealed by the painter, it is rather the painter who on the colored canvas reveals himself. The reason I'll not exhibit this picture is that I'm afraid that I have shown in it the secret of my own soul. Just as Nietzsche said that genius artists have the capacity to push the boundaries of social conventions through their artistic creativity. Incidentally, Nietzsche and Oscar Wilde died in the same year, 1900. In the preface to the novel, Oscar Wilde responds to the moral police suppressing certain art as immoral. Quote, The artist is the creator of beautiful things. To reveal art and conceal the artist is art's aim. The critic is he who can translate into another manner or a new material his impression of beautiful things. The highest as the lowest form of criticism is a mode of autobiography. Those who find ugly meanings and beautiful things are corrupt without being charming. This is a fault. Those who find beautiful meanings and beautiful things are the cultivated. For these, there is hope. They are the elect to whom beautiful things mean only beauty. There is no such thing as a moral or an immoral book. Books are well written or badly written, that's all. For Oscar Wilde, art goes really deep in the human subconscious. Therefore, it's not up to the morality police to judge a work of art as immoral or not. Art functions in the realm separate from morality and social conventions. Hedonism Oscar Wilde depicts Dorian Gray as he journeys from innocence to a nihilistic level of hedonism. His teacher is Lord Henry, who preaches, quote, Pleasure is nature's test, her sign of approval. When we are happy, we are always good, but when we are good, we are not always happy. 
His hedonistic philosophy puts pleasure above all else, thinking today's problem is because we take life too seriously. This was Victorian England, the empire at its height, and the British had a whole world to run. So being serious was an essential component of running a successful empire. Lord Henry says, quote, Humanity takes itself too seriously. It is the world's original sin. If the caveman had known how to laugh, history would have been different. In other words, if those who laughed more ruled the world, things would be far more simpler according to Lord Hedonist, a world run by comedians. At the start of the novel, Dorian stands in between the hedonist Lord Henry and the morally good man Basil, but he is swayed by pleasures and by the end of the novel he moves past Lord Henry and his selfish pursuit and even kills Basil. He prioritizes his own pleasures and treats others as objects to his self-indulgence. He never takes accountability for his actions. The fact that he hides the portrait shows that he avoids responsibility. Nietzsche would call him the last man, someone who is driven not by his own will, but by his desire for pleasure and self-indulgence. The Ubermensch genius artist would be Basil, who poured his soul onto the canvas to paint the portrait of the man. The fact that the portrait ages is a great metaphor for the transformative power of art. Art reveals something far deeper than surface-level reality. Beauty Oscar Wilde's thought experiment with a picture showing what is inside a person is really clever. In human evolution, beauty is a sign of health, so in sexual selection, beauty plays an immense role. Since we cannot see someone's inside, the health of their internal organs and genes, the face is a window into the inside of that person. It's a mirror through which we can judge the genes they carry. In Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, the monster was initially good on the inside, but ugly on the outside, so everyone was repulsed by him. This repulsiveness ultimately turned him into a hideous creature on the inside too. Dorian, however, is the opposite, ugly on the inside, but beautiful on the outside. Outside beauty is magnetic. We love to be around beautiful people or look at them. It's deeply ingrained in our biology. Lord Henry says, quote, Beauty is a form of genius, is higher indeed than genius, as it needs no explanation. It is of the great facts of the world, like sunlight or springtime or the reflection in dark waters that of silver shell we call the moon. It cannot be questioned, it has its divine right of sovereignty. It makes princes of those who have it. Dorian was destroyed by the knowledge of how to use his beauty to get what he wanted. Oscar Wilde shows that knowledge is not always good. Lord Henry's teachings were extremely detrimental to the young man. While he imparts hedonism onto the young man, he himself, however, practices self-deception. Lord Henry himself says, quote, You seem to forget that I am married, and the one charm of marriage is that it makes a life of deception absolutely necessary for both parties. I never know where my wife is, and my wife never knows what I am doing. Today we live in a world where seeking new experience is not only praised, but it's deified as the only good life. People go to great lengths to travel and experience new things, new destinations, new food, new drugs, new everything. But Oscar Wilde shows that with each new experience, we lose something of ourselves in the process. The innocence, the naivety, the beauty. Not only new experiences are transformative, but also knowledge can transform you in ways that is not always for the good. Probably we are hardwired to seek knowledge and new experiences, just like trees grow tall to get more sunlight. But on occasions, knowledge and new experiences can also burn us, just like sunlight does. 
Thank you for watching. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to eleven grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.